Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 356 and we're talking about road trips. That's right. You've been doing the anti-road trip for the last <laughs> week though. Yeah, I've been walking part of the Camino de Santiago. As you might have heard on previous podcasts, we are big fans of the Camino de Santiago, which is a network of pilgrimage paths that all lead to Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain. And I walked from San Sebastian through Bilbao out to Portugalete, and it was absolutely awesome and epic, and I'm a little bit sad to be back in real life. Yeah, but welcome back. Thanks, darling. (laughs) Also, it was Craig's birthday yesterday, so I needed to make sure I finished either on that day or before, so we could spend a little bit of time together. (laughs) Yeah, and we spent that time traveling from Bilbao to Oviedo in Spain. Yeah, it was so funny. I was telling someone on the on the Camino that you know it was my last day, and she said, "Oh, where are you heading now?" And she, I said to Oviedo, she said, "Oh, you're walking the Camino Primitivo, because <laughs> one of the Caminos starts from here. And in fact, it's one that we did with Janine about three years ago. But yes, we are not doing the Camino Primitivo. We're just here for a few days, and then next we're heading to La Coruña for a couple of weeks." take part in the bonfires of San Juan, which will be awesome, and then on to England. Yeah, it has been a busy time, hasn't it? Because the last time we spoke to people, I think we had just got to Porto, or we were just heading to Porto. Yeah, we're still in Girona. Yeah, well, we headed uh, from Girona over to Portugal, had a lot of fun in Porto, Uh, went to a WordCamp for our other business, which is Performance Foundry, a WordPress development company. And uh, I spoke there, met a lot of great people. It was a lot of fun. From there, we headed back to Alcalá de Henares, which is where we lived for almost a year while Linda Mm. did her master's in Spanish language and education. We saw some old friends. We saw our old landlords. We got some of our stuff that they were storing for us. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thank you. And just ate and drank really well. It was so good. And then from there, we headed up to San Sebastian to meet up with our friends Janine and Julie, who were doing a trip around Europe. And uh, so we had two days in San Sebastian, then went across to Bilbao, had two days there. Then Julie headed off towards home. Janine was heading off uh, to do a bit more Europe tripping. And I caught the bus back to San Sebastian, where we'd just been, and then promptly started to walk back to Bilbao. So it was very much a zigzag. I give a special shout out to Devour Tours, who are specialist food tours here in Spain. We had such a delicious time in San Sebastian because we did that tour on day one. And then on the next day and a half, we could use all of those tips to pick out some of the better bars and better food. And we ate ridiculously well. Yeah, yeah. I think, problem with Spain, I think I've put on one kilo per week since we arrived. Oh, really? I've lost weight. (laughs) Yeah, might be the walking. (laughs) Yeah, walking for 130 kilometers will probably do that for you. (laughs) Well, today we're talking not about walking, but about driving, because a road trip really is one of the best ways to get around and see a lot of the world. It's the ultimate adventure a great way to explore. And you just have so much flexibility, right? You can really just head off, make decisions on the fly, stay for longer if you like somewhere, leave if you find it really awful. It can be quite good value as well if you've chosen a good destination. And I think it's a really good way to spend time with people because you're chatting in the car, you're making decisions in a way that you don't when you're on a train or a bus or a plane. Yeah, I feel like if I, I love train travel, but when I get on a train or get in a bus, I kind of zone out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the twilight zone, right? You're yep. just 
get in this metal tube and then you get off again at another point. Mm -hmm. But in a car, you've got a lot more autonomy, Mm -hmm. you know? So I am looking out the window and pull over here. That looks great. Or do we want to take a break at this town or that cafe looks good? And so, yeah, there's a a winery. Yeah. Yeah. More often than not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's why we thought we'd do a, a podcast about road trips. It's something we've done a lot of. And we'll talk about some of our road trips during the podcast. And this episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is sponsored by Autoslash. Autoslash is a website dedicated to saving people money on car rentals, and that is always a good thing. So the way it works is that you give them some details about yourself, including your memberships, and they throw it all into an algorithm to find the lowest rate for you personally, not just for an average traveler. So then you can be sure that you're getting the best price when you take into account all the various discounts that you might be entitled to. And they keep tracking that search. So if they find a lower rate, they email you so you can get a better deal. So it's a little bit like price protection on a car rental. You can even track the price of rentals made on other websites as well. And it's free. Check out www.autoslash.com and head to their How It Works page to find out more. So yeah, as I said before, we have been on lots of road trips. And it wasn't until I started preparing for this podcast that I realized quite how many And I I started writing down a list of of all of the ones we've done, and I know I've missed heaps of them. But some of the big ones, we did an epic one in 2006 with our friend Ange. Uh, We started in in our city, Auckland, and drove down. We stopped and did a, was it about an eight-day hike, six-day hike? Then went all the way around the South Island, which was pretty awesome. We had a great Western Australian road trip with Craig's parents at one point. And I went on a short one with my sister. She was going to a Women's Pilots Association meeting, and it, it kind of required a little bit of a drive. But it wasn't just in Australia and New Zealand. We've done a bunch around uh, Europe as well. One that comes to my mind really quickly is driving around France and Germany with some of your family. Oh, yeah. Your dad and uh, brother and sister. And yeah, it was really, really fun. With my family, we've gone around Scotland and done some of the North Coast 500, and that was truly excellent. We also did that trip from Spain to Portugal, which Mm -hmm. we spoke about recently, with your sister and Henry and Janine. Yeah, that was really cool. And we've also gone around South America, mostly in Argentina. We did a really great trip with Ange and Janine, and another one later on from La Plata to Mar del Plata with our friends uh, Natty and Julie. And then more recently, we've also traveled around Mexico with Ange and Janine. So it seems like a lot of our road trips are with Aunt and Janine. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or with family, eh? And I mm-hmm. think it comes back to that thing that you were saying before about how needed it is to, to travel together in the car and have that time together. Who you're traveling with is going to make a really big difference. So thinking about who you're taking the trip with is really going to color everything about your trip. I remember we did a short road trip with just some people we didn't know so well. And it was it was a bit different. Or when we've traveled by blah, blah, car, I mean, that's pretty much a road trip. And it's not the same if you're paying to be part of a, a car journey than if you've organized it yourself with your friends. Yeah, I think for it to classify as a road trip, it must be multi-day. Yeah, it for can't, sure. can't just be a trip somewhere. No, that's right. So when it comes to preparing, of course, you've got the basics. Choose your destination. Are you uh, going straight from home and traveling around from where you can reach from there? Or are you going international? And then that impacts how you choose your vehicle. Are you going to be using your own car? Are you going to borrow a car? Are you going to hire a car? 
or are you going to do something a little bit special? Grab a grab a camper van, grab a motorbike, grab a, a hybrid camper van. Lots and lots of options to think through there. Yeah, and then once you've made those decisions, so those are pretty big decisions to make, and also, of course, deciding who you're going to travel with. You need to start to plan the route. Now, depending on where you're going, the level of detail might vary. You might want to be very quite specific, thinking, I really want to go here, here, here. Or you might want to say, I'm starting here, I'm finishing here. Everything else will be up in the air. It depends on the time available. It depends on your personality. But definitely at least think about it and have a rough idea. Yeah, it depends on the place as well. Mm -hmm. For example, in uh, Scotland, where we did the North Coast 500, accommodation was a little bit tight to find. So we needed to be booking out in advance of ourselves all the time, Mm -hmm. which took some of the freedom out of it. Whereas with some other trips, we've just gone, hey, let's go to that city. And, you know, if we got there and we liked it, we'd look on booking.com or lastminute.com and just find something. Yeah, that hasn't always worked in our favor. Remember that time we were on the road trip with Julie and Natty and we went down to Mardal Plata and we didn't realize it was a public holiday. And we thought we'd just be able to find some accommodation. We could not find any accommodation. We drove from, I think we started looking at around 8 p.m., And we just kept looking and looking. We kept driving closer and closer to home. I mean, we were still hundreds of kilometers away, so we definitely weren't getting home that night. And uh, I remember we stopped at one place at around one in the morning and Craig and Julie went in to have a look to see if the place was any good. And they did have a spare room, but it was really disgusting. Yeah, yeah. It was so bad. We came back out and went, you know what? We're going to drive for another hour or two, (laughs) see what else (laughs) we can find. That doesn't always work, but I think that's part of the adventure, right? That's, that's right. Yeah. That's part of the fun. But it does really depend on, on the season that it is and where you're going, how much risk you're willing to take there. Yeah. Oh, I remember another time we were driving up from Christchurch. We took the ferry across to Wellington and we were hoping to just find somewhere to stay in Wellington. And there was there was just nothing. But we managed to ask a, a couch surfer allowed us to sleep in our car in his driveway or we, no, we put up a tent in his in his backyard or something like that. Yeah, that that's right. Well. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So yeah, there's there's often options. <laughs> <laughs> often options. Um, some of the routes that I would either we've done or we'd like to do the Route 66 across mm. uh, the states just seems so iconic, mm-hmm. right? Famed in famed in song and story. You yeah. know that one is always resonates with me. Mm-hmm. One of our friends did that in a Cadillac, which just sounds so epic. You can imagine driving along in this huge car and getting really awesome photos of you on your road trip. That'd be great. Some other ideas, uh, New Zealand top to bottom. It's such a great country for road trips because you can plan a really good route and see quite a lot of the country. You don't feel like you're missing out on it on heaps because there are kind of two or three main routes south and you can often do a circle to see quite a lot of the country. While it's epic to travel through Australia's red centre in a vehicle, travelling either coast is, in my opinion, a little bit nicer, a little bit more scenic, and there are more options for things to do and places to stay. Yeah, I think also with going into the outback, going through the red centre, you need to do a lot more planning than you would for most road trips because you need to be prepared if you break down, you need to be completely self-sufficient. Whereas if you're on the coast, there's much more likelihood that someone's going to come along and be able to help you out. And also, I mean, there are so many great views along those coasts, thinking about the the 12 apostles going along the Great Ocean Road out of Melbourne. 
That's really cool. Thinking about things that need a bit of extra planning, doing uh, one of these epic road trips that are pre-organized and run as part of an organization, something like the Mongol Rally or the Tuk Tuk Run. I mean, we were recently speaking with uh, Sherry Ott, one of our good blogger friends who's done the Mongol Rally and the Tuk Tuk Run. She's amazing. And uh, yeah, it's just some of those stories. I was going, wow, that sounds intense. Yeah, so the Mongol Rally, I think it goes from England, crosses Europe all the way to Mongolia. And the idea is that you have to travel in a certain type of car because they're the type of cars that you can get into Mongolia. And then you donate the car in Mongolia to an organization. I'm not sure of all the details, but basically you're traveling in a low-powered vehicle for thousands and thousands of kilometers. So it's kind of multi-month. Traveling around Europe by car is awesome. You've put down here top to bottom, Linda. I have always enjoyed traveling west to east. Mm-hmm. And recently, while we've been in Spain, we've talked to a lot of people who have been doing that route yeah. uh, from Spain into France and Italy, into Austria, and then further on or up and into Germany and back again. Mm-hmm. We also talked about the North Coast 500 in Scotland. We only did a bit of it, but I would really love to do more of that. Or even like Land's End to John O'Groats would be really cool, which is the bottom of the UK right to the top. So thinking about how to plan your route, you'll probably have an idea of where more or less you want to go. So you've chosen your, I don't know, your continent or your country or your state or your region. Then you might want to think about where you want to go. And I think it's a good idea to have a basic plan, uh, even if it's just very vague, I find it helpful to get out a paper map and circle the things that I want to see. I remember we did that when we were planning our Eurail trip. This is a rail journey rather than a road trip, but the same concept applies. Circle the things you want to see and then start to think about how you can connect them up. There are services that you can use to create a route out of that, or you can just make it up yourself thinking about the roads that you'd like to take, the routes that you'd like to take. You could use Google Maps, for example, or you could choose an endpoint and make a circle. You could just go point to point, just go from here to there and back again, maybe slightly different routes on the way there and way back. Or you could just have a rough idea. I'm, I'm going in this direction and I'm going to end up over here or back where I started. If you're going somewhere that you're not familiar with, uh, some of the things to think of are checking out the price of petrol, Mm. which can vary dramatically from country to country. Road tolls are, once again, something that can vary dramatically from non-existent to hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Yeah, and also think about how you pay those tolls, because that's something we found really difficult when we went into Portugal. You had to do this rather complicated system. You had to buy tokens and enter codes into a system and then you had to magically remember how much money you had in your imaginary account. It was quite difficult. In other countries, you have to buy a tax disc to put on your windshield, even if you're only going into the country for a day. Yeah, and if you are changing states or changing countries, road rules are likely to change as well. So it can be good to have a general idea of what's going on with those. And border crossings are obviously a big deal from time to time, especially if you're in a hire car, because some hire cars can be taken Mm multi-country, but only into certain countries. So you need to be sure that you've checked out what countries you can get to. Yeah, we were recently staying in Barcelona and and the owner of the house that we were looking after went on a road trip with her brother and sister. So she went from Barcelona up north into Hungary and was going to Austria. But it turns out she wasn't actually allowed to go into Hungary. 
They had a small accident. She called the insurance company in the car hire place and they said, oh, what are you doing in Hungary? Because they didn't have kind of roadside assistance cover there. And they said, you need to get back, you need to get back. And they tried to get her back into the country within like three days. She had to cut her trip short. Luckily, I don't think they gave her a fine or anything like that. But yeah, it really affected her trip a lot. Absolutely. And it's uh, this lack of research that can really put a bit of a damper on your trip. I remember mm. your sister got hit with a fine for not having a tax disc as she went through Switzerland, I think it was. Switzerland or Austria it was one of those ones. I think she was traveling from around Switzerland, Germany, Austria area. And she thought, oh, we'll just cut off this corner by going through one country. And she didn't realize that that country had a completely different tax system. And the car hire company didn't really mention this, didn't have tax discs available. It was it was all a bit strange, but yes, it was quite a large fine, unfortunately. Yeah, talking about things that are strange, we had a tire blowout on us when we were traveling through Argentina, and we, you know, changed the tire like you normally do. And when we got back there, they not only wanted to, you know, charge us for the replacement tire, but for a whole replacement wheel. And to rub salt into the wound, uh, this was a car where the brakes had started failing on our way down from the Sierra, from the mountains, and the national park up there, back down into the city. The brakes weren't working properly. Which is probably they... what caused the small accident that, that affected the tyre, right? <laughs> Maybe. So it was just just a, a little bit crazy. So you... I found it really frustrating because we went in and we said, look, this car is dangerous. This has caused this accident. We, we showed them the, the tyre. And they said, oh, okay, we well, need to pay for it. And uh, yeah, we need to do it right away because the car's going out this afternoon. It's being hired out. We're like, you can't hire out this car again. The brakes are not working. And they did. So it wasn't, it wasn't wonderful. No, all of that to say, make sure that you have insurance for your trip, for your health and for the car. Yeah. And make sure you look into what it covers because, you know, you don't want to find out after an accident that you're not covered for it. Before we continue, thanks again to this episode's sponsor, Autoslash. If you decide to hire a car for your road trip, you'll want to make sure you're not paying more than you have to, and Autoslash can help with that. Head to autoslash.com to give it a try and to see what deals they can find for you for your journey, especially if you're traveling in the U.S. One of the things that makes them special is they search hundreds of coupons and discount codes for all of the major rental companies and add them into the system automatically to help you find the lowest rate possible. They also include your memberships like uh, AAA or credit card benefits and work out the best deals based on those prices as well. Yeah, so they basically do all the work for you to find the lowest rate possible considering your situation, not just for anyone. And it's free, which is always a good thing. Check out autoslash.com to give it a go. Okay, so we've talked about preparing for your trip, getting ready, choosing your vehicle, choosing your location, that kind of thing. Now let's talk about when you're actually on the road. So a couple of things that are really important to think about are accommodation and food, what you're going to take with you, that kind of thing. So let's start by talking about accommodation. Sure. Well, it's obviously going to vary a lot depending on your budget and where you are going. But one thing I have to say, it's a lot easier these days with tools like Google Maps and online booking engines. Oh, yeah. So when we first started out, the internet existed, mm -hmm. but you know, you had to go somewhere with Wi-Fi. 
And then you had to find the next place with Wi-Fi that you might be going to. <laughs> it was that limited. And then you had to hope that place still existed and actually had Wi-Fi when you got there. So yeah. you couldn't rely on the internet for planning stuff like you can now. Yeah, we definitely used guidebooks and information like uh, the AA guide, I think, had a lot of motels listed in it in New Zealand, that kind of thing. Even if you do want to play it loose and fly by the seat of your pants, do some basic research before you go, um, as we've found, especially around public holidays, oh, because yeah. your trip might not take into account if there's a public holiday or not, but the accommodation availability definitely will. And also, if you're traveling around Europe, think about public holidays in neighboring countries, which is something we didn't think about. We're traveling around Germany, and there was a public holiday in France. So all of France came into Germany on, <laughs> yeah. on holiday. And we were around the Black Forest area trying to find accommodation, and it was just really hard. There were six of us, and we ended up having to split up. So Anna and Matt went to a hotel, and my dad, my brother, Craig, and I went to this weird little guest house where the woman, the owner, was a bit of a, a dragon. She kept telling us not to put our bags on the bed and things like that. And then the next morning we went downstairs for breakfast and it overlooked a garden which was just out of a Disney movie. There was a bluebird, there was a I think there was a grey squirrel and a red squirrel talking to each other over a nut. Uh, I expected a deer to come out. You know, it was it was that kind of thing. It was pretty amazing in the end, eh? Yeah. And that's the kind of serendipitous stuff that you run into on road trips, which is just so cool. But, you know, think about all of the stuff that we talk about all of the time. Tools like Airbnb, couch surfing, using campsites, using uh, meta booking engines like booking.com. And, of course, the type of vehicle you have will impact this as well. Mm -hmm. It's less complex for a car or a motorbike, but more complex for a large camper van as to where you'll be able to stay and park. That's right. I mean, you might want to mix things up as well. If you're going by camper van, you might want to stay in a hotel some of the time and stay in the camper van some of the time, like we do when we're doing a spaceship trip. And don't forget about the freedom of camping as well, both freedom camping, you know, camping wherever you can, or camping in official campsites because with a car you are able to get off of the main road a little bit more and you don't need to stay in motels just because they're on the side of the road. Yeah, what we quite often did when we were younger and we did our road trips with our friends was we'd pack a tent and we'd just go to campsite to campsite. Uh, New Zealand has a great network of campsites in the forest run by the Department of Conservation and they're very inexpensive. So we could just pitch a tent. There was always a toilet and water available and it worked really well for us. Well, let's think about that a little bit, because as well as the normal stuff that you'd pack, there are some things that can make packing for a road trip a little bit more comfortable. And one of those is to chuck a, a tent and some sleeping bags in the boot so that you have that option. Yeah. Another thing you might want to consider taking is a chili bin or a cooler bag so that you can put some ice in, put some drinks, maybe some food if you don't have a fridge in your car, which you might well do. I mean, you can get these little portable fridges these days, which can be quite handy. If you are going to be outside a bit or you're going to be serving your own food, preparing your own food, taking plates and cutlery, dishwashing liquid, a tea towel and a bucket for washing up is, of course, very important. And also a camping stove and some gas to be able to cook some things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One of those small things that's easy to forget if it's not always in your car is a USB charger for oh. your devices because you're likely going to be using GPS on your phone for navigation and planning. 
um, make sure you can charge up the electronics that you've got with you. Mm-hmm. And also make sure to have a rubbish bag. It's surprising how often we look around to put our rubbish somewhere and there isn't a bag and you really want to keep your rubbish contained. Yeah, and that's helpful because, of course, you have snacks in the car with you. Definitely. Snacks. Uh, you definitely want to have some food with you because you might find that you have a long space between towns, right? I remember once we were traveling with your parents going back from Queenstown up to Christchurch and we stopped for coffee. So we were stopping for coffee and they decided to have something to eat and that was fine. They had some fish and chips, but it was far too early for lunch for us. So we kept driving, kept driving. And uh, eventually I said, oh, look, can we, can we stop for some food? Because I didn't have any snacks in the car. And we pulled over and this huge biker gang came into town. <laughs> and Craig's parents were a bit concerned and wanted to keep going. But I was like, I'm really hungry. I need to eat. So we ended up going in and uh, waiting behind a very nice biker guy, with very polite in the line, bought a delicious pie, and it was amazing. But, yeah, would have been good to have some snacks in the car too. It doesn't just have to be snacks as well. We'll often pick up meals and carry them with us so we can find somewhere pretty on the side of the road, not in town, and just park up and, you know, enjoy the view and enjoy being out of town. Mm -hmm. Things like sandwiches, of course, are easy to make, easy to transport, easy to eat. Things like supermarket roast chickens and pre-made salads can be excellent. Uh, I would say, though, if you're going for the couscous salad, make sure you're eating it outside of the car, (laughs) not inside, because cleaning up the occasional mess can be a little bit problematic. Yeah, I'd recommend you go to a local supermarket within the first few days of your road trip and get an idea of the kind of thing that's available because it's surprisingly variable from country to country and make some plans about the kind of things you're going to eat. I remember once uh, when we were driving up from Christchurch up to Auckland on our last road trip, uh, we stopped while we were waiting for the ferry to arrive and they had some picnic tables right there by the uh, the parking lane and we had our dinner. We had uh, yeah, some supermarket salads and a sandwich, I think it was. But it was just really nice to not have to wait until we were on board and pay for overpriced meals on the ferry. But of course, you should also make use of the local restaurants and cafes, uh, bakeries, things like that. Yeah, some of them have a lot more personality than others, don't they? <laughs> I remember one time when we were on a road trip with Ange, we'd been tenting and it was raining heavily but we needed to get up and get out of the campsite because both Craig and Ange were getting wet because the water was coming in the sides of the tent. Oh, yeah, it was ankle deep. Oh, it was hilarious, but I was in the middle, so I was dry. It was fine. Anyway, they wanted to leave, so we packed up, threw everything in the car, and started driving, and we were just looking for a cafe. We needed a coffee. We were so ready for a coffee, and we saw a huge sign, coffee. We thought, you know what? I think they sell coffee. So we pulled in. There was a bunch of drunk guys outside. This was about 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. They'd obviously been there since the night before. We went inside, and the woman behind the bar was also quite plastered. And we said, um, oh, can we get some coffee, please? And she said, we only serve beer. And we thought, maybe maybe we won't have our coffee here. <laughs> so we drove on. We, we, we tried, though, you know, like the sign outside says coffee. We are like, beer! Yes. <laughs> So yes, we, we didn't drink there. We uh, we moved on <laughs> and went somewhere else entirely. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's personality, isn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, as long as there aren't banjo players and trees, you're probably going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> How would you get the most out of your destinations on a road trip 
I think one of the key things is around communication mm. because the car gives you options. The car creates a type of freedom. And so if there's something that catches your eye or something you read about that you'd like to go to, make sure you bring it up as early as you can because, yeah, the car can facilitate that. Mm. Also, make sure to decide a rough budget so that everyone in the car is on the same page because if one of you wants to do all the expensive activities and one of you is on a tight budget, it might get a little bit difficult. So agree when to splurge, how often, uh, how often you want to eat at nice restaurants, how often you want to kind of do supermarket food, that kind of thing. And in terms of driving, a few safety practicalities especially when you're driving in a foreign country, is to remind yourself, and if you're the passenger, remind your driver of the road rules. One of the typical ones is if you're driving on the wrong side of the road, it's really common when you first get in the car in the morning, you're, you're approaching it fresh, and you think to yourself, yes, I need to drive on this side of the road. But then after lunch, when you've just had a meal and you've been wandering around and you get in the car and you drive out of the car park, it's quite often that you're on autopilot at that point. So that's a great time to remind yourself. And if you're the passenger, remind the driver what side of the road to drive on. Mm. In New Zealand, they recently changed one of the, the turning rules so that the giveaway rules are slightly different. And for months and months, Craig and I were reminding each other about, right, give, that person gets right of way, give way to that person. And it wasn't like we were saying, you're an idiot, you've forgotten the rule. It, we just both knew that it was hard to remember when it's something that's non-intuitive because all your life you've driven in a certain way, then uh, it helps to have someone else to remind you about it. So don't take it personally if you're the driver. Yeah, and another useful tip is to plan a stop every couple of hours because even though you can keep that pedal pushed down to the floor, it does really help to get up, stretch, get some extra oxygen into the brain, and that can help you make better decisions Definitely. in the near future. You might also want to think about sharing the driving. Like if there are three of you, then you know cycle through the different people. Uh, some car hire places charge extra for additional drivers, so think about that. Uh, if it's only a couple of dollars a day, then I'd highly recommend you put at least two people on the account. But um, yeah, I mean, that's a decision you have to make yourself. Okay, one thing I really do want to talk about is the speed limit, because of course you know that keeping to the speed limit is a good idea. You don't want to get a ticket, that kind of thing. But also speed limit rules in different countries can vary. So for example, in New Zealand, if the speed limit is 100, you won't get ticketed until you're going about 108, 109, maybe 110. But over public holidays, they often bring that down. So there's less tolerance. If you're going 103, 104, you might get ticketed. So the time of year will affect things as well. However, in Australia, 100 is the limit. You can't go over 100. A friend of ours was driving, and he set his cruise control to, I think 80 was the speed limit. He set it to 80. He was driving along, and he got pulled over. And the, the cop said he was speeding. He said, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I've set my cruise control to avoid this exact situation. I set it for 80 so that I'd be going exactly 80. And the cop said, well, your speedometer is probably slightly wrong. And there was no grace for him, even though he was, he must have been going no more than one or two kilometers over the speed limit. He got a fine. Yeah. So do be aware of that for your health and also to avoid those financial penalties. Definitely. Hey, onto important things though. How are you going to keep yourself entertained on the long, boring stretches of the trip? Yeah, well, you might want to just have some scintillating conversation. 
but that might not last for all of the many hours that you're driving for. Of course not. I've heard there's a good travel podcast people can listen to. <laughs> what other ideas have you got? Oh, yeah. Other podcasts are obviously a good idea. Maybe the radio, local radio could be quite good. We always tend to try to flick through the radio stations. It gets quite annoying when you start getting that buzz, though. Uh, you might want to listen to an ebook. I remember once we tried to listen to a tourist radio station that picked up where you were and gave you information about the location. Sounds like a really good idea. It was very poorly implemented. It was the absolute worst. But if that is available, give it a go because it could be quite interesting. Yeah, we've had – oh, we've also listened to like stand-up comedy shows oh, yeah. and ebooks and things like that. I've found that a little bit hard to be honest, especially as the driver because you're focusing and you're thinking about da-da-da-da-da and then you've lost some of the narrative. Mm. And you're like, wait, wait, what's happening now? Why are yeah. people laughing? Janine and Julie were just doing a road trip through Europe and they were listening to a podcast called My Dad Wrote a Porno. And they said it was so hilarious that uh, sometimes they had to pull over so they could laugh. So consider this when you're making your decision. Maybe something quiet and backgroundy, just music that you can sing along to or something like that rather than laugh out loud, hilarious, can't concentrate because you do want to look after yourself, right? Now, we've had some cars with terrible stereo systems, and we've had to buy speakers. In the old days, we'd drive into uh, like a cheap electronics store. Well, not literally drive into it. <laughs> we would, uh, But we'd go and buy ones with a 3.5 mil headphone adapter jack and plug that into the system. But more recently, Bluetooth speakers are reasonably ubiquitous, and that can be an excellent plan to help boost the listenability of whatever you're listening to. We've done quite a few road trips in Craig's sister's car, which is a Toyota Ist, and it is a great car for two people or three people, which is another thing to consider the size of your car. I definitely wouldn't have wanted to do a road trip in that with four people because there just wouldn't have been enough space. But one of the negatives of that car was that it didn't have, well, A, it didn't have any radio because it was tuned to the Japanese frequencies and they are not in line with the New Zealand ones. And B, it didn't have any jacks to charge a phone or anything. So a, you couldn't plug your phone into the stereo system and listen through that. And B, if we used our phone and a Bluetooth speaker, it ran out of batteries really fast and we couldn't charge it from the car. So think about these things. You might need to bring a bunch of extra battery packs to make sure you keep having power. Yeah, yeah, crazy, eh? Hey, do you have any road trip ideas for us? I know we haven't spoken about road trips with families. We haven't spoken about anything like that. And you might just plain disagree with us. That's yeah. all good. Send us an email, mail at IndieTravelPodcast.com or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Also, we're soon going to be interviewing travel safety expert Phil Sylvester about travel insurance. So if you have any questions about travel insurance that you'd like us to ask him, please email us, same address, mail at IndieTravelPodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. And for us, we're looking forward to, after a few days exploring Oviedo, heading up to the northwest of Spain again to La Coruña, Looking forward to sitting on the beach, listening to bagpipes, drinking white wine, eating octopus. It's going to be good. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. And San Juan, I couldn't believe it. We kind of planned our trip and then realized that we're going to be there for the San Juan festivals. So I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah, we've done a show on La Coruña in the past, so you can look that up and find out everything that you're missing out on. <laughs> well, I think that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.